the show. Listen with your ears, understand with your hearts. Namaste, bitches. So come with me on this journey. Just you. It's just me, myself, and Irene. So soon you'll see. It's just me, myself, and Irene. Just me, myself, and Irene. Sweet and salty. Yeah! Let it run. Yeah, yeah. Let it run. Let it run. Have some fun. Let it run. Have some fun. Let it run. Have some fun. Let's learn to love ourselves and love each other. And have fun while we're at it. Have fun while we're at it. Have fun while we're at it. Have Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to me, myself, and Irene. Wishing you positive vibes and love and light, as always. Thank you for joining me, myself, and Irene. It is a pleasure today to talk about the life of a whisk taker. Meet Chef Lauren. After jumping off the corporate ladder and diving into an ocean of freedom, Chef Lauren is cooking it up with her personal in-home chef business that specializes in healthy and delicious meals. From hostess to adjunct professor to five diamond restaurants, Chef Lauren took all of her experience to catapult her into her lifelong dream of being an entrepreneur and achieving her personal goals despite at one time being the only woman in the kitchen. Chef Lauren offers personal in-home chef date nights, Zoom calls, cooking classes, small catered events, and she is just getting started. Chef Lauren lets us in on her plans for a storefront, what it's like living in her hometown, and how to even lessen the crying when cutting an onion. Known for her positivity and uplifting mantras, Chef Lauren says, it's a beautiful day to get better, and after listening to this one, your day will sure be a better one. Chef Lauren's story is real, inspiring, and I'm forever grateful to have had this time with this special person. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor to introduce my guest today. I'm so very grateful to know her. She is the queen of eat your veggies and get your walk on. Introducing Chef Lauren. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Thank you Hello. for joining me, myself, and Irene. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm so excited. Yes, thank you so much for taking the time out to talk with me today. It's, we know each other. Well, we haven't seen each other in a long time, but we know each other. How old were we, do you think? Oh, gosh. I was under 20. So right. I, yeah. And I was in my teens. middle teens there, kind of yeah. like 15, 16 time. Yes. And were you working at Charlie Brown's yet? I was. I believe I just started working at Charlie Brown's, and that's probably how we met, yeah. Right. So you started there as a hostess. I did. I started my 
my journey at Charlie Brown's as a hostess. I didn't, I didn't make it into the kitchen yet. I actually was going to um, college. I was in the culinary program at Middlesex County College, and a good friend of mine was like, hey, do you want like a part-time job just to make some extra money? So she was a hostess, so she brought me on as a hostess. I'm like, okay, I'll get a feel for like what the front of the house is like, what the restaurant is like. I didn't even at all think to be in the back. I had just started at Middlesex, and um, I did need some extra money to kind of get through. And... Um, that's kind of how it all began. Wow. Awesome. Sometimes just getting that foot in the door and being in that atmosphere. Absolutely. And so actually you met my stepfather, Bob, working at Charlie Brown's as well. Yes, Bobby. He's a, he is one of my OG chefs. So uh, <laughs> he um, he's an awesome guy. Intimidating, um, but then he took me under his wing and he really is. He gave me the opportunity to really gain my line chops and I wouldn't be here uh, where I am today if it wasn't for him for sure. And obviously I wouldn't know you. So he has brought a lot of good things into my life and really paved the way for me to um, become a line cook and then eventually um, run my own kitchen. So I am forever grateful to Bobby. Wow, that's awesome. He had he had a that is really that's wonderful. He'll love to hear you say that. He has wonderful things to say about you too. He actually told me a story about how you guys met. Yes. How we met was amazing. So I like I said we were uh, I was a hostess and I, I'm sure like I got a tour of the kitchen and you know, you know, they bring you in to meet the chef and because as a hostess, you would have to go back and tell the chef, like, how many covers there were, or how many people were waiting and such like that, and give the kitchen a little update. So they bring you back there, like, briefly to kind of meet the chef, and then you get right back in the front. And um, like I mentioned, Bobby was a little bit intimidating, but just a great soul, but definitely a little rough around the edges. So one day he decided to come out of the kitchen, and he was like, hey. And I looked over, and I was like, and I thought I did something wrong, but he was like, are you, are you going to culinary school? Or are you trying to be a chef? And I go, I, I am. And I'm just like looking at him. I didn't really know where it was going, but, um, and then he was like, well, why the heck are you out here? He might've used different language, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, well, and I didn't know what to say, but in my head I was thinking, well, probably because you scared the crap out of me. <laughs> but, um, I didn't say that. And I don't remember what I said, but then that was kind of the start of how I became, um, a line cook back there in the kitchen. So once we um, discussed things and I told him what I, what I was doing, going to Middlesex and I was in the culinary program, I started out as a prep cook on Saturday and Sunday mornings and I was still able to be a hostess um, a couple days during the week and then on Saturday and Sunday evenings. So I did like double shifts and then eventually that got to be crazy because um, I really loved the kitchen and Bobby was like, okay, well maybe you can you know, be in the kitchen full time. And that's what I did. So I became a line cook. I did my preps on the week, on the mornings, on Saturday and Sunday on the weekends. And then on the evenings, I was a line cook. So that really, uh, that was a big deal for me. I was the only, the only woman on the line um, and the only American outside of Bobby, to, to be honest. Uh, um, the rest of the gentlemen were Mexican. And um, so it was, it was a big deal. It, it took a lot to kind of get acclimated, but it was, it was a great experience. It goes down in, in the memories of history for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I was going to ask you, I mean, being that you definitely had to be in that field, one of the only uh, women, especially at that time and at that age. Um, yeah. I mean, that's... I think I remember Bobby saying like, there wasn't any other women line cooks like uh, in the company, to wow. be honest. And, yeah. I don't know. Like if, 
maybe somebody will come back and be like, that's not true because I don't have any like true no, documentation right. of it. But, but for what I know, from what I know, I was the, the first and the only for a long time. I mean, I could definitely vouch for that in Charlie Brown's. I mean, we did not have uh, any women in our kitchen, I don't think, in my entire 10 years of being there. Yeah. Wow. It was intense. <laughs> it is. That's that's something. So I'm, that's awesome. Good for you for following your heart and doing and, and facing, you know, cha- it's challenging to, uh, it's intimidating. And definitely, inti- especially intimidating in a kitchen, like you said, I feel like even when you said about Bobby's personality being a little aggressive, a little intimidating, I find that, and I'm sure you found that in a lot of kitchens, that personality can exist. Um, and a lot of foul language can be used too sometimes. For sure. I mean, honestly, and I am as hard and, and difficult as it was kind of getting comfortable and acclimated, I am really grateful that that was my first experience. Like I had worked at a sub shop, like my first, very first job was at a sub shop and I was just like the cashier, I did the dishes, I made the tuna fish, but it was nothing like a real, like a working kitchen like that, like a restaurant kitchen. And I'm really grateful that that was my first experience because I do believe, like, I always tell people that that gave me my line chops, but that definitely helped build up my thicker skin and allowed me to enter into the hospitality industry with an, a good idea and a good amount of fire under my belt because it's it's not an easy industry to be in for a woman or anybody to be honest you definitely have to be cut from a a certain cloth to be able to to withstand that for a long time and i think i that was the perfect environment for me to really kind of just be comfortable bobby bobby was rough but he was great like and he really taught me a lot so it, it was it was good that's good that's awesome that's so right now um you have started your uh, personal business, your personal in-home chef business. Yes. How so is I'm that in, going? In-home personal chef. It's actually going really great. Thank you. Um, it, it's. Um, I would say I'm working in June of this year will be my fourth year. So, wow. Um, yeah, I uh, jumped off the corporate ladder in 2017 into the ocean of freedom, as like I like to say, I and I uh, decided to build my own business, uh, kind of as a conduit in between my next step, which will eventually be to open up the Tiny Onion, which will be a small little market shop, preferably in my hometown of Metuchen, but we'll see how that goes. Um, so when I left the job that I was at for just about 10 years, um, I needed... Wow to start working, you know, and to, to gain an income. And I didn't want to join another, you know, corporate team. I didn't want to be in another working under somebody. And I just decided to kind of start my own thing. I leaned on my network heavily and I was supported and I was able to start gaining clients. And now I have a decent amount of clients under my belt. I'm always getting opportunities to do different things like speaking opportunities, Zoom classes, um, cooking lessons. I do in-home date nights, small catered events, like tiny, intimate settings. And it's been really great, really great. I'm super blessed. Wow, that's I'm so happy and excited for you. That t- that must have been incredibly scary though to go from having sort of this quote cushy job of I'm sure you had benefits and everything, right? You have yeah. making good yeah. money and and yeah. just to follow your heart. And that's I appreciate that. Yeah, it was probably one of the hardest if not the hardest things I ever had to do or decided to do on my own um yeah and you know you know we we've, we all deal with different things and I, i've had some 
hard moments. But as far as like a choice that I made on my own to do to kind of throw myself into just, you know, being this entrepreneur, starting my own business after being in the industry and being in the workforce for, you know, 20 years or so. And then just decide like, oh, I'm going to do this on my own. And then, you know, like you said, benefits or even just the fact of getting a steady check and however much that check was and just knowing what it was like to going to not knowing how much you're going to make in a week or a month or in the year, you know, not know if you're going to be able to pay your rent, all these things like it just like it definitely is like kind of like hanging over you and then you just keep going and it, it, it's worked out for me quite well, but it was definitely a very, very tough decision. And and separate from the money part too, like, you know, when you are in the restaurant industry, you wake up, you go to work, you come home, you go to bed. And yeah, <laughs> all you're you right. Do is work. I work. I worked like seventy hours a week, and you know, now when I when I first like when I first left the job and I didn't have a job and I hadn't had any clients yet, you know, you wake up and you just feel like it was a big transition from going to that, you know, I don't not even a nine to five, but a twelve hour day to like just having to, to, to design your own day and get your own work and figure things out and just like create new routines. Like it was, it was a big transition, but I think I've found some footing and things are going really well. Yes. It sounds like it. And it looks like it. I follow you on Instagram. You are on Instagram and Twitter at, at chef Lauren Owens, right? I am. Yes. I'm on all of those things, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. I try to, that's a big part of my business too, to stay active on social media to engage with my clients and future clients and then just people in general. Um, and then just to kind of keep people in the loop of what I'm doing, but that's a big part I believe of my, you know, success is being so active on social media and, uh, keeping you guys aware of what I'm doing. So I'm appreciative of every single follower. I don't have a ton of followers on all of the platforms, but I am grateful for every single one of them for sure. Absolutely. I agree. It is a great way. I feel like this is what social media should be used for, is sharing um, businesses, photographs, wonderful things. You know, social media can be so easily negative that I just wish that more of us were using it how you're using it in a positive way. Um, so I, I think that's important. I think that's a good, it's good to have somebody contributing to social media in a positive way, you know? I agree. I agree. And I appreciate that because I, and that's, I hear a lot of things about social media and we all do, you know, and, and we can get caught up in, in some of the negativity of it. But I, even before I started building my own business, to be honest, like I always posted, I always try to stay positive on there and I'm not really a negative person anyway, but like, I just think it's so important to put the positive, to lead with positivity and put that out there and just kind of like encourage people to like, just be happy and to smile and to get your walk on and to eat your veggies and do things like that. So I just have always used my platforms for that. And now it kind of ties into my business and, you know, to hear people to, well, I can't talk to people without them mentioning like, Oh, I, I, I walk today or to say like, Oh, it's a beautiful day to get better. I say that a lot or even Aww. like eat your veggies. So like things like that, it's really cool to see like that kind of stuff stick with people. Um, and it, it definitely gives me motivation to keep going in that regard. Absolutely. Do you have a, a a certain mantra or um, saying that that relates to your to you the most. Well, let's see. I I would say to my business and what like kind of like what my tagline is is it's a beautiful day to get better. 
and eat your veggies. And I'm always saying eat your veggies. And I always like to start my day, even on my Instagram stories with it's a beautiful day to get better, because I think that's important for people to remember that every day is a beautiful day, regardless of the weather or the specific day of the week i mean people hate on mondays they love saturdays obviously because of the typical nine to five but being in the industry saturdays were the, my hardest day of the week so i never really celebrated the weekends like other people do i'm like yeah it's tuesday wednesday because that's when i would be off or like a <laughs> totally. sunday monday <laughs> like, you know? i totally relate yeah so um i try to remind people that every day is a beautiful day to get better and it is a beautiful day if you make it one so i would i guess that falls under you know a mantra of mine and then personally I would say I always kind of remind myself to stay faithful in the dark because even, mm -hmm. you know, obviously during 2020 or, you know, when I decided to leave my job and, and start my own business, like it gets a little dark sometimes and we all go through dark moments and no matter, you know, where we are in life. And I think it's, you know, I believe in Jesus. So, you know, you can't only believe in him and love him when things are going good. You have to believe in him when they're not going so good too. So to stay faithful in the dark is a big thing that I personally remind myself of often. I don't post that as much, but that's something that I definitely tell myself personally. I think that's huge. I love that um, because that's so true. I think it's so easy to get discouraged. It's so easy to become bitter, negative. It's easy to fall into bad routines when um, dark times fall and we don't know how to get through them or keep a positive mindset. So being aware that every day isn't a good day, but that you still have faith in your God and you still have faith in, in yourself. That's, it's huge. It can get you through it. It will get it you through can. it. Yeah, absolutely. So for that's, sure. that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Oh, my pleasure. How actually you mentioned 2020, how is, how has COVID, uh, affected your business you know i was um it hit it hit the industry as a whole really hard i guess as you know for also yeah. and then you know as many people um listening will know i mean our industry the, the hospitality industry will never be the same for me i thought it i i didn't know what to think in the beginning you know as the the pandemic hit and then you know the stay-at-home order and all these things started happening and i didn't know i didn't know what to think and um obviously, you know, I make my money by going into people's homes. I don't have a storefront or anything. So I didn't know what that was going to mean for me, but my clients really rallied, um, whatever made them feel more comfortable, whether it took a couple of weeks off, I did some drop-offs. I, um, you know, kind of adjusted and did some zoom calls. So my, my clients really, really stood behind me and it's all, all kind of working out now, you know, going in the house masked up and everything. So it's just, um, it, I am doing okay. And sometimes I feel a little bad about saying that, but um, this year or 2020 rather was a year for people to really kind of learn how to pivot, learn how to adjust. And I feel like we have the chance to kind of grow and a lot of people did. And I, I, I'm happy to be one of them. I, I totally agree. And I, I'm happy for you for that because it, it is hard. It's a bittersweet thing. I know you don't want to celebrate in a time where there was a lot of, horrible things that happen. Um, but I agree with you about this being a time to adjust and learning to adapt. And I feel the same way in my personal life. So I can totally relate to that. Um, it's been an, an interesting year and you do, you have to adapt to life, whatever it throws at you, you uh, have to learn to accept things. Acceptance is huge. 
Yeah, I mean, if you do a lot of focusing on what you can't do and don't have, like you'll get stuck there. Totally. You know, it, you know, people are, oh, I can't believe I can't, or uh, this and that is a bad day. It's about this. If you get, if you let that take over your brain too much, like that's where you'll, and that's what you'll produce more of those bad opportunities and you know just bad days so you just kind of just look at what you can do and figure out what you can do with what you can do and just keep going and um you know so that's that's what i tried to do the most yeah totally i always say that you know you already have what you need it's already inside of you you got to use what you got yes right so true yeah you could tell that you know that i mean you're doing this from the ground up and um i'm very happy about your success and i hope you continue to grow into your um into your storefront which sounds great so you now you've been in the same town you grew up in what is what is that like Metuchen um I I love Metuchen it's a tiny little town they call where the the brainy borough or like the donut hole of Edison um so Edison surrounds Metuchen in like a little circle yeah and it's it's so small but um it's just such a great town and honestly like they have really, really been been supportive of me and my growing small business. And I am, you know, gaining a lot of clients in Metuchen. And I just, I love it. I really do. I love it. And I think that, um, you know, that would definitely be where I would want my store to be. Yeah, that's awesome. Metuchen is a great town. It really is. Yeah, they really rallied for all the businesses in Metuchen during the pandemic. Like not even, like especially myself, but that even the store, like the storefronts and the businesses that have places like the the brick and mortar, they did a ton of takeout. There were all these different, you know, things that they were fundraisers and stuff that they were doing and different ideas to kind of keep the businesses alive and and, and flowing. And, and they did a great job. So I'm sure I, I've seen a lot about a lot of towns doing it. And obviously I'm a little biased in Metuchen, but um, they... I'm in it, so that's, yeah. that's what I that's what I noticed, and they and I was really proud to be part of that small town. Absolutely, it sounds like such a strong sense of community, which I think yeah, we really don't is. really have in a lot of places sometimes. It's true. Yeah, that's cool. So I yeah, that, I look forward to that. I'll definitely be a visitor of yes. the Tiny Onion. How did you come up with that name? Um, let's see, the Tiny Onion. Uh, it I guess it came about because it was like a little bit of a joke, like. Um, throughout my career, like cutting an onion properly was huge for me. I have a few stories about that, but then, you know, I did some teaching at Middlesex County college and I would, you know, I did a knife skills class. And so I was noticing that like on their end of year reviews, they mentioned about they, out of everything, they learned that they, they mentioned how they learned to make, cut an onion properly or, you know, um, my clients now say, Oh, I learned how to cut an onion. So like, when, when I cut an onion for people, it's so tiny. And I just think that that's normal because that's how I learned. And I learned how to do it properly. And they're like, oh, my God, these onions are so tiny. So it just kind of became like this running joke thing. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to call it the tiny onion. And uh, a friend of mine might have said it as a joke. And I think it kind of just rolled from there. So I thought that would be like a cool kind of name. I dabbled with other things like um, the sandbox is pretty significant to me because when I left my um, my previous job, um, my closest friend mentioned like building your own sandbox. So I always felt like maybe that would be the name of my business, but maybe that, you know, will be the, the umbrella that the tiny onion is part of, but that those two names are definitely something. So when I was branding myself, that's why my logo is an onion, because I felt like that will bring me into the tiny onion and people will recognize the onion. And then when I get into a place of like, Oh, Chef Lauren and kind of all happens together. So that was like a little bit behind the, the idea behind the onion. I absolutely love it. 
I do. I am actually horrible. I've been told that I cut onion at the from the wrong end. You probably. <laughs> most, pe- most people do. They cut it in half the horizontally the wrong way, and then they go from the stem end or the root. They cut the root off. And yes. The root, the root helps it stay together. So, yeah, I mean, there is definitely a proper way. Um, and when you get comfortable doing that, it just feels like normal. And then you notice it's a lot more efficient. And that is probably the only way to keep yourself from crying because, I mean, I've seen <laughs> oh. goggles and doing – you know, twists and turns and, and squeezing lemon and holding a spoon, all these crazy ways to get people to keep you from crying or whatever. And it, it's a, it has to do with the composition of the onion and it's definitely science. So the only way to keep that is to make fewer cuts with a sharp knife and not run your knife over it a million times, releasing that, you know, onion gas is kind of like a tear gas, you know? So um, that's like, that's the way. So you cry less if you cut it properly too. Very interesting because on and that makes huge sense because I am chopping away like I'm killing this onion yes. and I'm always walking away just crying. Yep, you're releasing all those gases and you're just that's what makes you tear. I mean, I'm not saying that I've never teared cutting it properly, but less. Right. You know, probably you have a less of a chance. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mine would be called the chunky onion because it's <laughs> <laughs> my slices of onion in the salad that's is basically. <laughs> I love that, the chunky onion. You should do that. So I'm going to have to have you come over and show me. pop up, yeah, at the tiny onion. I love it. I love that. That's awesome. How? So you, you said you studied culinary arts and you were an adjunct, adjunct, am I saying this right? How do you say this? Adjunct, yeah. Adjunct professor at MCC. How yes. was that? Amazing. So let's see. Um, when I started I went to Middlesex County College I got my associate's degree in the applied science of culinary arts Uh, within that time I gained my mentor um, who is she's my mentor now and a a very good friend and I feel like part of the family um, professor Debbie Lynch she kind of took me under her wing I had her towards the end probably like the last year of of college there so some of the harder classes she was my professor and I just, you know, took a liking to her. And luckily she took a liking to me too. And we became very close. And when I graduated, I became her assistant for one of her baking classes. And I did that for a few years. And then uh, one year, uh, one of the professors had to just stop teaching in the middle of the semester due to personal uh, reasons. And um, they kind of just called upon me to jump in and teach a food prep class. Now, I don't have like, you know, in order to be a professor there, you have to have like a master's and all of that. So I was kind of got slipped in because, you know, and that jugs, the rules are a little different. They might have changed now. I don't really know what they were, but I just know that because I went there and because I was an assistant under Professor Lynch, like I was able to become an adjunct that I had never taught before, um, but I was cooking in in the industry by that time. So I decided to uh, go ahead and take the challenge. So I was the uh, food prep adjunct teacher for a few semesters, and I, I I did one other class, and I did that for a few few years, and I loved it. It was so great. It kept my skills sharp, kept me current with what was going on. I was able to bring the currency of the times into the classroom, like actually. You know, when you're in school, you learn things a little differently than how they are in, in the, the real world, so to speak, in the industry, uh, in a working kitchen. So I was able to bring a little bit of that into the classroom. And I still speak to a handful of my, my um, students and, you know, they follow me on media and I'm close with a few of them. I've grabbed a few of them under my wing as well and try to pass that on um, like a professional interested for me. And I loved it. I loved every minute of it. 
That's awesome. That, that sounds like a great, it was a great experience for both everybody involved there. You learned and your students learned. And so you would, you would do the food prep and show them, in other words, kind of like physically show them and teach them how you would do, how you would cut, how you would prepare a meal, things like that. Yeah, so I followed the the curriculum and the criteria. I, I you know I was you know taught them all the skills. So I followed the the layout of the class that existed, and then I was able to also just kind of bring a little bit of what was going on current into into my lesson plans as well. But otherwise, I followed the like the same curriculum that I learned there. I I followed that plan and did the all the worksheets and the test and all of that. And then during the we have cooking lab, I was able to kind of get hands on and show them. And it, it was just it was great. The whole experience of Middlesex, you know, uh, for me was a great one. I didn't go away to college, and honestly, I thought I was going to go to a different culinary school. But it all works out perfectly. And um, I was able to I stayed home and I I went to Middlesex and I gained just the right amount of experience or, or, you know, knowledge to then take that and hone my skills in, in the industry. And, and I will always love that I went there and, and it was perfect for me because it was small, you know, a lot of hands-on with the, with the professors, obviously, like I said, I gave my mentor there and it was the perfect learning environment for me, very close knit department. And I learned a ton. It was great. That's awesome. So then when you graduated from there, uh, what was your, did you go right into, um, your, I think you were, you said you worked for the Harvest Restaurant Group, right? Yes, but not right after Middlesex. So, um, and that's another thing Middlesex did for me. Uh, I, I gained my first, um, or not my first, but an, like another job from there. So I was just kind of, I was still working at Charlie Brown's, finishing up there, I did my externship at Charlie Brown's. I was I was taking a class called Garmage, and then another adjunct professor, um, Chef Walter Leffler, he was my teacher at the time. He worked at the Hilton Shore Hills, which is the only Five Diamond Hotel in New Jersey at that time. Wow. And uh, carried the only Five Diamond restaurant as well. Um, and he implemented this thing where he did um, – externships like one of his students or two of his students got picked to be externs every semester and uh, i was like oh that's pretty cool so i didn't get picked (laughs) and i was like oh crap so then i was like whatever so you know and then all of a sudden professor lynch calls me and um she was like there's an opportunity for you you know chef leffler would like to hire you so the externs didn't get paid and um i got hired right out of so right it was right along when I was graduating. So I got basically got hired at a five diamond um, establishment right out of college. And I had my first job job and, um, and it kind of all went from there. So that was really cool. You must've had, you must've gotten a lot of great training there as well and experience. Yeah. I am so blessed and so lucky. Like every, every place that I've worked at, I have a handful of jobs under my belt, not a ton. I I tend to stay at places for a long time, but you know, um, the Hilton short Hills, I was like, you know, a fish out of water in there. And, you know, I, I gained a lot of experience at Charlie Brown's, but being in a hotel like that was so huge. And it was just like a whole different environment. The kitchen was huge. Like there was different departments within the huge kitchen. So you had hot banquets and cold banquets. You had two restaurants. And then um, it was just, you had room service and lots of different things. So it was it was definitely an intimidating environment to walk into, you know, right out of college, basically. Like, I worked at Charlie Brown's, but it was just different. And I was still very young. I was I was 20. I was going to say, um, right, you're still a yeah. young person. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, so I had the, um, I was able to gain more mentors and, and more people that, you know, kind of took me under their wing and I, they're all still friends of mine now. So Sheila, Sharon, she was uh, the head of the Garmage kitchen banquets there. And I started out there and we're still great friends to this day. She taught me so much, like so, so much. And a lot of the things that I'm implementing to my business now are because I learned from her and I'm super grateful for all the relationships I've built along the way, but especially hers. Well, that's wonderful. Aw, it <laughs> yeah. is. It's 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 amazing when you look back and see the relationships and the people you met and the experience you have. How it all uh, was for a purpose and it all makes sense. You know, it's just it's cool to see that and reflect back on that. I mean, you sure. got and you that was a five diamond um, establishment, like you said. So you guys must have been pushing out some pretty crazy dishes. Yeah, it was. You know. Honestly, like when I look back, like we did some crazy stuff. It was the best brunch in New Jersey for a long time. Yeah, like wow. you know, I we so we made all the brunch salads. We did all the plates for room service, all the charcuterie boards, the cheese boards, fruit platters, fruit baskets for every single guest that stayed there. Um, and that was when I was in the 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 hot. The, I mean, I'm sorry, when I was part of the garmage in the cold kitchen. And then I did some dabbling in hot banquets that you were allowed to work stations. So you were able to be the, the chef like at an event, at a, one of their events there. So like the bar mitzvahs and all of their big parties. I mean, I've seen weddings. I've seen some crazy events like, you know, these parties that were like they turned the ballrooms into like jungles and all sorts of things like amazing amazing things um so i yeah i saw some pretty cool stuff really really cool stuff and then when i moved to the dining room which was the only five diamond restaurant in new jersey i um also that was fine dining so i gained a whole nother set of you know, experience working in a five diamond restaurant and we cooked for some really awesome people and did some really cool events and wine dinners and opus wine dinners, all sorts of things. So yeah, I had the opportunity to work at the James Beard house, do a dinner there. So it was, um, it was so great, really, really great experience. That's awesome. So then you left there and then, uh, ended up at the harvest restaurant group. One more thing in between there. So okay. I left there and I took a little bit of break and then I decided to go into New York City for a little bit. And that's where I met another great friend of mine, um, Abby. She has her own restaurant in um, in the village, in Greenwich Village, and her niche was cooking classes at the time. So I helped her run the cooking classes and helped her teach those. So I worked with her for about two years, traveled into the city every day. Um, learned a little bit about navigating myself around the city. Anybody who knows me really well knows that I can kind of get lost in my room. So <laughs> <laughs> sense of direction really isn't my thing. But so she would like send me to the store and she would have to give me like real live like landmarks, like make a left at this store. And I'm like, okay. Um, so I did that for two years and that was really cool. I gained the confidence of taking the train every day, going in and out of the city. And, you know, I gained another set, another network, another set of friends. It was just, it was really great. And then when I left, um, Abby, then I, I landed in the Harvard harvest restaurant group. So I was, I started off at the Huntley Tavern and summit, um, as the sous chef there. And I worked my way around a few of the restaurants. They are a group of they were like five or six when I started in 2008 and now they're probably up to over 10. So, um, I worked at a few different restaurants, ended my stint in that company and Morristown at one of their casual restaurants, um, 
urban table, which I don't believe is there any longer. Uh, they might have changed it over. But uh, yeah, so I left that job and that's when I went into my own business. So I was I was at the Harvest Restaurant Group for a little bit in, in between nine and 10 years. Wow. And did, did you think that whole time that you this was it? Did you did you have moments where you're like, okay, I'm sinking my heels in and this is it? Or did you know that this was maybe just another stepping stone? That's a really great question. I would say that I always in the back of my mind knew that I wanted to end up at my own place. But I would say the first two to three years there that I really, I loved it. It was a great, great environment, great job. And that I would, I definitely had made the decision to sink my heels in there. Um, and then as time goes on, you get comfortable, you start to gain a little tenure, you know, then I started to get promotions and I worked my way up to the executive position. So at that point, as you start getting older and things start becoming comfortable, you know, you probably don't really think about leaving unless things aren't, unless you're leaving for another opportunity that's grander or uh, things aren't going, going so well. So, um, yeah, I would say that for a while, I really felt like that was it. Like I was a lifer at, at, at Harvest for, for a while. Right. And so you were giving them your heart and soul. You know, I know you were working probably what, 60, 70 hour work weeks. Yeah, I was I was scheduled for sixty. I definitely worked about seventy, wow. uh, sometimes more. Yeah, it's a sure. lot. Yeah, twelve hour days, no short of twelve hour days. We were scheduled for twelve hours. Wow, that's, that's yeah, it, it is. That's a, a that's a big chunk of your life, a big chunk of your day, and your you know your social life probably suffered because, like you said, you wake up, go to work, wake up, go to work, and. Yeah, it definitely suffered. I mean, all I did was was work. My my lifestyle was interesting, and then I ended up changing it around 2012. And I was still in the the in at that company while I changed my lifestyle, and it took a big chunk. It took a lot to to do that um, because I was so all those bad habits and that certain lifestyle was ingrained in me so deeply. And uh, I had made a really strong choice to like start at incorporating exercise and eating better, and you know just caring about myself more so um yeah it took a big chunk out of everything you, you know working that much and i was a worker so it just seemed like that's what you know that's just what you do so it 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 was interesting for sure totally but yes yeah, social life yeah i mean i didn't get invited to things i saw i stopped getting invited to events or people would invite me and then no i wasn't coming but then the invitations really started to slow down and you know i missed out on a lot a lot of things a lot of you know family gatherings family parties weddings people like while I was talking to family like oh that's right you weren't there you were working it's like oh crap like and that, that just became like the theme like yeah like the norm Lauren, yeah yeah Lauren's not coming yep <laughs> wow well I'm glad and so what was it that was there like a final straw for you where you just said okay I'm done or or this was a like you said you kind of started to know that I'm ready to you were living a healthier lifestyle so it was easier for you to make this decision like your mindset was set. You said, okay, I'm determined. This was my goal. Uh, did you just have a moment where you said, you know what? Screw this. I'm done. It was definitely more of a moment, Irene. So like I had always knew that I wanted like my own business, um, but I never really was like, you know, okay, I'm going to leave at this date to do this and do that. There was, it wasn't planned out that way. It was kind of like, I knew that if I didn't leave abruptly, I probably would never leave because as we talked about before, you get comfortable, you know, with the salary, you get comfortable with the bonus and you're getting that, 
you know, dopamine hit of a steady check and you just like, you know, you, you find it harder to leave. And I had a little moment where I really felt like it was a huge push for me to go. And, um, I, I took that moment and, and I, and I just left and it was, it was a huge leap. And, but I had, it wasn't an emotional, you know, we all had that moment at work. You're like, F this, I'm going, you know, or I can't stand this place. I'm quitting, blah, blah, blah. It wasn't that it was almost like a very calm, very strong push. Like it's go, go, go. And, and I, and I went and here I am. <laughs> wow. Chef Lauren is somebody that I um, look up to, admire, and uh, her story is so, is so, so inspiring. Um, I hope you enjoyed the first part of the conversation. Uh, please be sure to join us for the next conversation. We had so much to say that I decided to cut it into two pieces. Um, just not to chew your ear off for too long. So please be sure to check it out next Friday, part two, The Life of a Whisk Taker, Meet Chef Lauren, okay? she Next week, Chef Lauren tells us about training with her superhumans and how getting up at 4 a.m. changes your perspective. Uh, I, uh, I respect her for this one. And find out also what four ingredients are uh, a must in Chef Lauren's own personal kitchen. So that and very much more. It was a pleasure and an honor uh, speaking with Chef Lauren. And I hope uh, you have a wonderful day and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Please go check out Chef La- at Chef Lauren Owens. She's on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn at Chef Lauren Owens. Please go check her out. Of course, I'm on Instagram and Twitter uh, at Irene Pappas. At it's Irene Pappas. Shit, I'm giving out my wrong information over here. <laughs> no wonder I ain't got no followers. All right, everybody. Please be sure to tune in next week. Namaste, bitches. Yeah. That's one small step for man. One giant leap for mankind.